Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me week after week is a man who is taking his time and choosing his lines. He is the captain. Yeah, maybe I should choose my words more carefully. I fumble more than Mark Sanchez fumbles over butts. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Tonight, Captain, it brings me so much joy that True Crime Garage is featuring Gravel Donuts by the innovative brewers over at Outer Belt. This is a New England India Pale Ale with some juicy flavors, including pineapple, citrus, and blueberry, brewed and canned in beautiful Ohio. Garage grade four and a half bottle caps. And we want to give some cheers to our good friends. First up, here's a cheers to Jen and Valerie in Jupiter, Florida. And a big cheers to Caesar in Westminster, California. All hail Caesar. Hmm. Sam in Austin is getting a cheers. He's in Austin, Arkansas, who says, I like your jib, Capitan. Yeah, band the tan sedan. And a big shout out to Jane and Springville, Utah. And next up, Captain, we have Timothy in Bedford, Australia. And last but certainly not least, it's okay to have short arms. Cheers to Olivia and Grant right here in Columbus, Ohio. Everyone we just mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com and contributed to this week's beer fund. And for that, we thank you. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. That's somebody else with short arms, Matthew McConaughey with the short arms that was in reference to the the cheers you mm. you can have short arms for that cheers because they're right here in columbus oh. only somebody with my dumb mind would get that for all of our old episodes make sure you download the stitcher app because it's free and check out our bonus show called off the record and that is enough of the business all right everybody gather around grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime 
Sometimes in the true crime world, we see cases where, sad to say, the worst outcome is not totally unexpected. Some people live a high-risk lifestyle. Some people make bad choices. We can all probably think of someone in our lives that can fit that bill. These types can end up as victims. And then there is the other side of that coin. The sad side. Persons who are victims of abuse or subjected to domestic violence. And they too can end up as victims. Make no mistake, all of these cases are tragic. But once in a while, an especially poignant story touches us because of the unlikeliness of the victim and the senselessness of the crime. And when these cases are unsolved, they deserve special attention. In our story today, a diligent, intelligent, hard-working young woman who had her whole life ahead of her was taken by someone who as of yet remains unknown. This is True Crime Garage, and this is the case of Taylor Robinson. Taylor Robinson was born on January 28th, 1994 to parents Carmela Robinson Rucker and Winslow Sanders Jr. Taylor was an extremely active teenager in all the right ways. Listen to this, Captain. I know the both of us played a considerable amount of sports growing up, so we are not easily impressed, but right now I am. At her high school, Taylor competed in volleyball, softball, track and field, and she was a cheerleader. So four sports, that's year-round, baby. Anyone familiar with this case who has seen photos of this young woman, you can tell by her smile and the bright look in her eyes she was full of cheer and spirit and not just the kind that is meant to excite fans and inspire her teammate, but genuine cheer and spirit that extends to everyone around her. Taylor graduated from Kenmore High School after studying child development. Now, where we are going to pick up this story is in 2013, just seven years ago. Taylor Robinson is 19 years old and living with her mother, Carmilla, and her stepfather, Jeff Rucker, and her 13-year-old brother. The family lived in Archwood Avenue in Akron, Ohio. Now, Akron, Ohio is one of our larger cities here in the greatest of states, Ohio. There's about 200,000 people living in Akron proper. Akron is about 30 miles south of good old Cleveland. And the list of notable and famous persons from Akron is very impressive. Two of the more well-known individuals from Akron are LeBron James and Stinks Curry, both NBA superstars. But back to our star, Taylor. Now, we said this young woman was very active in high school. Well, that lust for life did not stop there. In 2013, she was just a busy young lady taking classes at Kent State University's Stark campus in preparation for obtaining her neonatal 
nursing degree. Very important work there, Captain. Yeah, that's their biggest satellite. That's like their satellite university. I'm more familiar with the downtown area of Kent, so I don't know much about the Stark campus. On top of her busy college schedule, she's also holding down two jobs. One was at Bonworth's clothing store as a sales clerk. Bonworth is a chain clothing store for the ladies. According to their website, they have been a leader in Mrs. Clothing for over 50 years, Captain. So shout out to all of the Mrs. Her other job, this goes along well with her studies. This job was as a home health care aide for Hands of Care Limited. This was a position where Taylor would provide in-home care for patients who were incapacitated in some way, whether because of handicap, illness, or injury. Universally, the reports about Taylor say that she was basically a model young woman. She was never in trouble, and as we can see, she is driven and was hardworking. She had never run away. She was close with her family, and she was diligent and conscientious about her schoolwork and her employment duties. She lived at home, and always, even as a young adult, she abided by her curfew and was always in touch with her mother. She was a homebody. Taylor loved animals, both real and stuffed. She loved shopping and going to the movies, and she attended church regularly. And there was someone new in her life. She adored her new baby, a new family baby that was a six-month-old long-haired chihuahua named Ryder, who loved to follow Taylor everywhere and tag along whenever Taylor allowed. Now, Captain, we have a missing persons case to deal with. So, of course, we want to go through the details of when she vanished We have already discussed the things going on in this young woman's life leading up to the day in question, and now we have a very specific window of time to discuss. So that brings us to the night of Friday, May 3rd, 2013. Taylor was scheduled to work an overnight shift at the home of a patient. This meant that she would arrive at the home in the evening, care for the patient overnight, and then depart in the morning. This has been a long-term situation. I don't know for certain how long she has been in this position. But at this location, it's been for several months, maybe even about a year. Right. Taylor's patient needs cared for pretty much around the clock. Taylor was dropped off at the patient's home by her mother, Carmela, around 10 p.m. When Carmela last saw her daughter... She was wearing gray leggings, a white t-shirt, a white and black bandana, and shoes. They said goodbye and agreed that Carmela would pick Taylor up when her shift ended. This would be around 7 a.m. the next morning. So then Taylor meets with the mother briefly, you know, a quick check-in. Most of Taylor's overnight shifts will be bookended by one and or two things. Carmela dropping Taylor off, meeting with the mother, then a long night shift followed by mother returning home, and then Carmela picking Taylor back up in the morning. This is something that happened dozens of times. And the night of May 3rd and going into May 4th, 
should have been no different. It should have been, as they say, business as usual, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't. On the morning of May 4th, the homeowner, the patient's mother, arrived home around 7 a.m. from her overnight shift. When she entered the house, she found to her surprise that Taylor was not there. This was cause for immediate concern as the patient needed around-the-clock care and was not meant to be left unattended. That's the whole purpose of having the caregiver, Taylor's position. There was no sign of the young caregiver. Now, an article in the Akron Beacon Journal, which we relied on heavily in our research for this episode, states that the homeowner found the doors locked when she got home. It's unknown whether Taylor had a key to this home. Okay, so I've been told a call was placed from the mother to Taylor's mother. I don't know if that call was received or answered. This was the mother looking for the caregiver. Right. So either Carmela was already aware that something was strange when she arrived, or she found out right after pulling up to pick up Taylor. And then having this discussion with the patient's mother that Taylor was nowhere in sight. The reports we have say Carmela arrived on location right around 7.15 a.m. This was very disconcerting. She was very alarmed to find that her daughter was not present. She told the Beacon Journal that her daughter would never, ever leave a patient she was responsible for. And Taylor's, she left behind some personal items that were very concerning as well. Right. Like what? We'll get into that in a, in a bit here because that, that is something that's a little further down our timeline. Where would this girl have gone? Where would this young woman have gone? So the alarm was raised. Taylor's mother and stepfather, they're on alert. But that whole day, Taylor never showed up at home at all. She never called home. She didn't call her overnight job to give any reason for why she left. And as we already said, Taylor was a hardworking individual. She valued that job and she loved and respected her own mother. But for Taylor's family, this is going to go from bizarre and worried to extremely concerned and frightening very quickly. Well, like you said, she's a caregiver. And so by her leaving, on her own accord, she's putting somebody at risk. And if this person needs 24-hour assistance, you might be putting this person at risk to uh, at fatal risk. Correct. Correct. So where they get extremely concerned is when the, the, the parents, the worry starts to mount with every passing minute, every passing hour. But we also have another situation where Taylor was scheduled to work at Bonworth Clothing on the afternoon of the 4th. This is really going to be the acid test here. She was missing, but if all else failed, if for some reason Taylor was just, you know, maybe up to something, or if for some reason she could not call home, everybody expected she would, at the very least, arrive as scheduled for her shift at Bonworth. Right. But, but she did and, not. And again, she's pretty young. So, you know, you go, okay, well, this doesn't make any sense. She doesn't seem like the type of person to just walk away from her job, walk away from a, a patient that would need her care. Again, she's pretty young. So it's possible that she made a mistake or 
possibly she was being irresponsible. Well, isn't that just it? I mean, even you take somebody as responsible as this young woman, Taylor Robinson, Mm -hmm. and you look at her life and all of her hard work and how diligent she was about all of her activities and responsibilities. But then you go, okay, we didn't expect any of this, but she's, she's 19. Now, Taylor never clocked in for her job that Saturday afternoon. It was at this time when Carmela and the family decided, hey, we've we've got to go to the police now. The Akron Police Department responded, and from everything I have seen, the Akron PD took this case very seriously from the outset, mm-hmm. immediately announcing and treating Taylor's disappearance as, quote, suspicious. This makes total sense, right? Of course, Taylor is an adult, free to go off on her own if she should wish. Mm-hmm. It is her right to pick up and take life elsewhere. But that just does not make much sense. We talked just this last week on Off the Record about the Long Island serial killer investigation out in New York and how that case is moving forward and thankfully in the right direction after so much time has passed. It sat there stagnant for for years, really. But just earlier this year, after processing and evaluating DNA samples, remains belonging to someone only known as Manorville Jane Doe, just one of several murder victims in the Long Island serial killer case, she was finally positively identified as Valerie Mack from Philadelphia. Anyone that wants to learn more about that, get our show off the record on Stitcher Premium or go to the website dedicated to that investigation. That's gilgonews.com. You can submit tips there as well, by the way, especially if you have any information regarding Valerie Mack. But what we did, what we talked about on that episode, Captain, of Off the Record, was we talked about how victimology is the foundation of any investigation. And now the investigators finally know the identity of one of these victims in that case, they have a completely new starting point for their investigation, dramatically increasing their chances of catching this killer. In our case here, Captain, we have obviously, we obviously know who our victim is. In fact, we know just about everything we need to know. Not everything, but a lot, right? Taylor is close to her family. She tells them what's going on in her life. Taylor is busy. She has a busy, active lifestyle and she's attending college. She's working two jobs. So not only is she busy, but the things in her life that are keeping her busy, well, those things we mentioned that are all taking up the majority of her time, they all come with timestamps on them. Mm -hmm. So she's busy and her time is easily accounted for and it's easy to figure who would be the people in the circles of her life and the circles from work and her social circles, uh, from school. And we have school records. We have work records. We can figure out likely who is in and out of her life outside of school and work. We can get this information from her family because she is close to them. And what we can't get from the family, we can get from friends. So Taylor, knowing who our victim is, Looking at the victimology here, Captain, we know Taylor was a bright and genuinely good young woman moving forward in this world. Mm. This most likely means that most of her friends will be cut from the same cloth, if you will. 
Now, remember when profiling, we are going to attempt to profile everything. Our victim, the crime, the location, and finally, our unknown offender. Starting with our victimology, we can tell you by everything we know about Taylor that she was living a low-risk lifestyle, meaning she's not frequenting places known for high crime or violent crime, and she is not hanging out with bad people and not making poor choices. So knowing this, this dramatically increases the likelihood that Taylor was either targeted or the abduction that took place that night was the result of another crime or something else that happened or something that was going on in Taylor's world. Mm-hmm. We are very likely looking for someone in one of Taylor's direct circles. So now you are looking for two things in our missing persons investigation and trying to determine what happened to this young woman. You're hoping to find one or the other or both, I guess, because that is going to be where you pick up the breadcrumb trail leading you to Taylor and her whereabouts or her abductor and evidence of what happened and possibly why you're looking for who had the means motive and opportunity to take her. Meaning someone had a reason for targeting Taylor and the ability to carry out the crime or looking for something that happened in her life that would later trigger this abduction and set the crime into motion. Who was involved in that event likely would be involved in this event. So what is the event and or who would target her? The problem with deciphering which event may have led to Taylor having gone missing would be fairly easy to identify amongst all of the other events going on in her world because everything with her is work and school and working toward her goals. So this event, this it would likely stand out amongst the backdrop of the rest of the events going on in her life. Mm-hmm. But by the same time, you are hoping that someone, one of the many very good persons in Taylor's life, is aware of this event. But here's the troubling thing. Often something so powerful that would cause someone to have the reaction of abduction or even possibly worse. Well, often one does not sit around and wait to react because this very likely is just that some type of hurtful aggression reaction. And often that means that the event that set this type of terrible reaction into motion likely went down a short period of time before whatever happened to, to Taylor. And unfortunately that could be just minutes or even seconds before she went missing. So now we have to look into her life and look into what was possibly even going on that night that led to this young woman having gone missing while we are thinking through the scenarios of either Taylor left work for some yet unknown reason and never returned or someone forcibly removing her from her work. Either way, I would say hope is fleeting. And we say this because based on our victimology, we can say with almost 100% certainty that this young woman did not just take off and leave her family high and dry. So, again, we're back to square one. Someone took Taylor 
but who and why? Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. 
Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, cheers, mates. Welcome back. So, a couple questions I have, or what I think investigators need to look into, is mm-hmm. who from her work would know that she was there and and know that she was supposed to stay overnight. Also, knowing that she doesn't have a ride of her own, or doesn't use a ride of her own when she's working overnight. To me, that's a safety hazard because you have no way to go get help. There's no way for you to um, flee. So where would she go on foot possibly? And then I'd also want to know what is her social media activity? Is she on Instagram? Is she on Facebook? Is she on Facebook Messenger? Is she talking with individuals through social media? Mm -hmm. Is she on any uh, dating websites like Tinder or or any of these other dating websites and talking to any individuals through that? These are all excellent questions. I, from my understanding of Taylor's work, in particular the job where she went missing from, is this would be kind of a small, small staff, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. So we only need one caregiver for when the mother of the patient is not at home. But again, this patient needs around the clock care from my understanding. So there would be other nurses, not just Taylor or other caregivers, whatever you want, whatever title you choose to use. Right. Because I I can imagine that Taylor is probably not covering five nights a week. But again, what I understand of this situation is that she would be working alone And as you said, okay, well, if there's a situation where she has to leave or flee, I don't think that's ideal that they're, 
you know, uh, of course, it's never ideal that there would be a situation that she would need to leave or flee. But again, the whole purpose of her being there is to care for this other person. Right. So if you can't take this other person with you, then you're right, not but really. What I'm, what I'm wondering is the work structure, because a lot of these, uh, you know, the family calls a service, that service, you know, that person that runs that service might not be a nurse themselves, but has all these connections to these at home caregivers. Mm -hmm. And so who is her boss? Who did the scheduling? Uh, because one of the things that you have to look at, and especially a case like this uh, with, with a, a female like Taylor is that keyword female. There's always a possible motive because she's female. Sometimes, Right. Sometimes ladies are targeted just because they're ladies. Right. And you're pointing out several good things here. Who and how would somebody know that she is there alone right. that night? And that's what I think we're, we're, we will really get into. And that's where we're going to see some good potential suspects along the way. In regards to the situation with her, her mother, with Taylor's mother, Carmela, it's my understanding that most of the time her mother dropped her off and picked her up, but there would be the rare occasion where Taylor would borrow the vehicle and right. drive herself to and from. So I think it happened a few different ways, but what we have here now, captain is we have a 19 year old woman who's gone missing from her work. We now have Akron police department involved they have already publicly announced that they find the disappearance of Taylor Robinson to be highly suspicious and they are investigating it as such. So again, they're taking this case serious right from the get. Well, and plus you could have all these suspects in that area as well, because if you would know that this individual uh, cannot take care of themselves, you'd be seeing nurses come in in every day. Mm-hmm. And so if you had a, a predator, if you had uh, some sicko in the neighborhood, the, the old pervert round roundup, right, mm -hmm. that this person is going to be well aware that there's different females, attractive females coming in to uh, take care of this individual. And again, they're basically alone. Now, right, so there, there's no protection there. We also, of course, have Taylor's family and friends and people at her work and, and you know, all involved looking for Taylor and actively seeking information about her whereabouts. While this is all going on, while this case is still fresh and still new, something totally unpredictable happened. Taylor Robinson went missing during the night and early morning hours of May 3rd and May 4th. But then, just two days later, from a neighborhood in Cleveland, remember Cleveland is not terribly far from the Akron area and from right. where Taylor was working. Where she was working, we should also point out, is located right by the freeway. So just two days later, a 911 call sends police out on what can only be described as a dramatic call to the Tremont neighborhood in Cleveland. This is from the Journal Tribune out of Cleveland. The Associated Press was reporting. The 911 call, the woman caller, her voice was frantic and breathless, and she was choking back tears. The woman caller said, help me. I'm Amanda Berry. I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years. And I'm here. I'm free now. Who is Amanda Berry? 
She is a 27-year-old woman who disappeared at the age of 16 in April of 2003. Mm -hmm. Amanda Berry was working at Burger King. She left her job at the end of her shift to go home. She never made it home. A man named Charles Ramsey said he was sitting in his house eating McDonald's. I, I don't know why. It feels like every single week Captain <laughs> McDonald's finds its way uh, onto the show. They really should be a sponsor then. Right. I think it's mm. part of their marketing plan. You know, let's bilk the garage out of thousands of dollars of advertising and just sneak into these these stories somehow. Mm. So Charles is sitting in his home eating and he says he hears screaming. He runs outside and at his neighbor's house, he sees quote this is his words. I see this girl going nuts trying to get out of the house. He said she was trying desperately to get outside and pleading for help to reach the police. The door that the woman was trying to get out of would only open wide enough for her to stick her hand out. Wow. So he's just seen her hand. Mid McDonald's. Yeah. Mid McDonald's. He's like screaming and then he runs outside. He sees this, you know, just a hand coming out of this screen door and some woman yelling, saying, call the police, call the police. Mm. So That's he decides, intense. he's like, hey, I'm, an, I'm helping this person, right? So, so he, he decides to sit down and finish his meal. <laughs> well, he ran over. He started kicking out the bottom of the door. Meanwhile, a woman sitting on her porch nearby with some friends says she hears the commotion and runs over to see if she could help. The woman is now freed and she tells the, so the woman that ran over, her name is Anna. The woman that's now freed, she tells Anna that she is Amanda Berry and right. Anna, the responding woman says, this woman claimed to be Amanda Berry. Uh, she was visibly nervous and she was crying. She was wearing pajamas and sandals. But Anna says, I told the young woman, you're not Amanda Berry. Amanda Berry is dead. The woman then again told Anna, I am Amanda Berry. I have been kidnapped and was being held captive. Anna gave wow. her the telephone at that point and the recorded 911 call. This woman declared, I'm Amanda Berry. I've been on the news for the last 10 years. She said she had been taken by someone and begged for police officers to come to the home before the man returned. Those words led police to a house near downtown Cleveland where Amanda Berry and two other women were found. Taylor's mother, Taylor Robinson, her daughter's missing, has been missing for about two days. She watched the breaking news on her TV as she and others were busy putting together missing persons flyers for her daughter. Yeah. Now, none of the women found and recovered that evening were Taylor. The three were identified as Amanda Berry, Gina DeJesus, and Michelle Knight. All three vanished a decade earlier. They had been kidnapped and held captive for all this time. Soon after the rescue, police arrested 52-year-old homeowner Ariel Castro. Police also found a six-year-old child. Piece of shit. I mean, this guy's a piece of shit. One of the women gave birth during their time in captivity. Castro eventually pled guilty to, this is, this is a high number here, Captain, so get ready. Castro eventually pled guilty to 937 counts of rape, kidnapping, and aggravated murder. 
he was sentenced to life in prison plus 1,000 years with no possibility of parole. The rescue of these victims brought much-needed rejoicing to the streets and neighborhoods of Cleveland. It also brought hope to Taylor Robinson's family and to that community as well. Mm. Of course, we want to know where Taylor is, where her whereabouts are, but in the investigation, the who took her question is one that investigators will be working on, but almost as important is the why. Why would someone take her? One real scary reality in this case and in a lot of cases is human trafficking. Yeah. Now, I love my home state of Ohio, but unfortunately, we do not have great numbers here regarding human trafficking. In fact, according to the Ohio Department of Health, at one time, Ohio ranked as high as fifth fifth out of 50 states in the u.s well technically this this crime with castro i mean it's technically a form of human trafficking right i mean it's not just kidnapping well yeah or or is it just kidnapping well essentially i mean they he he abducted these they were girls when they were abducted and then they grew up to be women but he abducted these girls and held them captive and basically made them sex slaves during this time. And so, I mean, you can see the state came down really hard on him as they should. I mean, his, his crimes are just of the most despicable nature. Um, but again, it was amazing. What if we just started chopping off all these dudes peepees, right? Like you, you get you, you rape a girl, we chop your pee pee off. You think that would stop any of this nonsense? Because well, but th- then you have the situation: that did they if do they get it wrong? Do they get a wrongful conviction? You can't go back on that. So, well, then he's just missing his pee pee. But maybe we need less pee pees in this world. So let's go back to to these numbers here, Captain. Let's work our way through this. So, okay. Ohio, according to the Ohio Department of Health, at one time, Ohio ranked as high as fifth out of 50 states in the U.S., with some of the highest statistics coming out of Toledo, Cleveland, and the Akron area. So the city of Akron has seen its share of arrest in regards to human trafficking crimes, obviously. But in fact, Summit County had some pretty big bust there this year in January. So the stats in Ohio and Akron, they're not good, but this is where we go back to victimology. Our victimology here with Taylor is quite different than a substantial chunk of the cases we are seeing in human trafficking cases, especially in that area. So again, Taylor would still be very much of a low risk victim for this type of crime, But as we know from having been doing the show for so long, no one is ever truly excluded from being a possible victim victim of, of really any crime. Now that we are armed with the hope that came out of Cleveland with the rescue of three kidnapped victims, but also the threat and fears of what might have happened to our young female adult victim, let's see what we can find from the actual investigation. Yeah, but for me, it's strange because 
when I see a scenario like this, I, well, what hope? You, you found some people that might not be connected to your daughter's case at all. I don't get what the hope is. If anything, it's, it's pointing out how messed up this world is and how sick individuals are out there. But you got to keep in mind the desperation of of the of the other victims, of the family members and the friends of people who have gone missing. Well, maybe this is glass half full, glass half empty. Type oh, it's thing. it's and, a and horrible. Maybe I'm just a pessimist, but it's I I I see stuff like this and go, oh, and and by the way, my daughter's missing. Oh, well, there's what what hope do we have? There's when you got sickos. Like this guy out there. But that's why I threw in the reaction of Anna, one of the neighbors responding to the commotion, where she's told by this woman who is freed from the house, says, I'm Amanda Berry, and her initial reaction is, no, you're not. Amanda Berry's dead. Right. That's that's what I mean by hope, is that the the, the all of the other victims, the family members, the friends of these missing persons of people that they one day they had to come to the sad realization of waking up one day and, and, and going, okay, maybe they're never coming back. Okay. Maybe they're not still alive, but then yeah. you see something like this where a, a whole community, you don't move on, but a whole community just accepted the fact that these three women were probably dead or are dead. Right. And then this, Again, something totally unpredictable. Boom! One day, all of a sudden, that's not the case. That they are still around, and and thankfully, they've gone on to to be able to live, get relationships back with their families, and have families of their own. So you want know, to talk about go time, though, too? I mean, to to hear the the screams, or to hear her yelling from that house, because there was probably. I mean, you said she was missing for how many years? Ten. Ten years. There's probably, I don't know, let's say a hundred times that there was a possibility that she could have got free or maybe a thousand times of, okay, we know his schedule, so we're going to try to break loose or whatever it is. And now you're, you have this moment where the door is cracked or something, your hand, you got your hand, your hand is in the land of freedom, right? Mm-hmm. And you're screaming for help. But if he came home, if Castro came home at that moment. I know, but what I'm saying is for that neighbor to hear that. And um, and I want to talk about go time. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a moment of a, what kind of person are you deep down and how fast do you, you react? And, and because you also don't know what's on the other side of that door. I mean, you obviously probably know your neighbor enough to know that they're they're there shouldn't be some girl screaming, but I'm just saying like, you don't know if, if he's there. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it's a day that uh, n- nobody in that area has forgotten. Um, and it, it, it will remain that way for a very, very long time. So in regards to this investigation about Taylor Robinson's case and the night in question, we do have some information that didn't come out immediately. So according to the beacon journal, Akron police detectives have pledged to make the case a top priority. To that end, 38 officers and detectives spent days scouring the area around the location of Taylor Taylor's shift on the night in question. 
Some of this time was devoted to scrutinizing abandoned homes, garages, and anywhere else in the largely residential neighborhood where the young woman could be. Further, the FBI provided four agents to assist in the investigation from the third day on. The investigation looked into Taylor's friends and associates. They fielded tips, followed up on leads, and basically did all of the usual investigative things. Meanwhile, the family handed out flyers and searched the streets looking for any sign of Taylor. Taylor's stepdad seems to have taken on a significant role in looking for her. He spoke at rallies and vigils and was instrumental in handing out flyers. I do, I'm going to throw this out there as a bit of an aside so we can kind of just move on from it. There are some things about this investigation that I am aware of and that I'm not allowed to clarify or go into detail of. One thing that I have seen in some areas is is a question would the stepfather has he ever been a suspect or looked at by police right if he ever was looked at as a person of interest it has never been mentioned in any newspapers at all and from everything that i see again he's up front and he's helping lead the investigation he was even though he's her stepfather he was very much in the role of her father of her actual father right and there's no reason to believe that anything anything strange or he had any type of involvement other than helping in the search for for Taylor. So this is not a situation It's very difficult though. I mean anybody when a, when a family member or friend goes missing, anybody can then become a suspect. It's mm-hmm. I think a really hard thing for people to deal with, but most people realize that that's a possibility, and if you're looked at it as being a suspect, I mean, you could even say, "Well, look, her mother dropped her off, so therefore her mother becomes some somewhat of a suspect." But you know, just you got to let law enforcement, you got to let the detectives, um, you know, rule you out so they can go on to exactly better, better suspects and better ideas. That's exactly right. And you have fathers. It, it's it's not uncommon for a father to be looked at within the first hours or days of an investigation. And just as you said, that's a, that's a sucky situation to be in. Uh It's a horrible situation to be in, but where it goes best, you have, you have the police department that very clearly is taking this disappearance very seriously. And when you observe that as a parent, you go, okay, Take your look at me. I'll tell you anything you need to know so you can move on to a a real suspect. And here's no problems looking at me. Now, Taylor's mother found hope. She was vocal about this, found hope in the news about Ariel Castro's kidnapping victims being found alive in Cleveland on May 6th. But on that same date, in an article in the Beacon Journal, Akron Detective Brian Harding said in regards to Taylor's disappearance, that it was totally out of character for Taylor, and she had zero history of trouble, adding the quote, we are at a dead end. Well, in this case being 2013, we know that people are very connected to their phones. That's what brought up the questions in my mind of 
what information could we find out about her phone? Right. And so with her situation, with her work situation, one would think that that phone is not just for her, for her use, but it's also her lifeline. Should she need something? Sorry, I just knocked a bunch of stuff over. Should she need something during the course of her shift? Or if her patient, the person that she's taking care of, requires anything other than what Taylor's able to provide, then that phone is really, truly a lifeline. So so here are some clues, Captain. This information was not reported right away, but there was information gleaned from Taylor's cell phone. We need to mention, too, Taylor's phone was not found at her place of work. She's missing. The phone's missing. Reports say that this phone was shut off shortly after 7.30 a.m. on Saturday. Now, we know that Taylor's mother arrived at the patient's house to collect Taylor around 7.15. Presumably, after finding Taylor missing, she called her daughter's phone. However, it is not stated in any reports that I could find what happened when she called. Did the phone ring? The reports all say that it was shut off right around 7.30, so presumably it may have rang when Carmela called, but she was ne- never able to get a hold of Taylor. Right. There was other information on the phone as well, and I believe this information is very likely evidence. It's evidence that could shrink the window of time a bit in this investigation, narrowing the gap between the start and the end of Taylor's shift to hopefully point out where we can say, okay, we know what time she started work. We know what time it was supposed to end. She went missing during the middle, sometime during the shift. Right. We want to shrink that window a little bit and be able to go, okay, sometime between here and here is when we believe that something happened to this young woman. Taylor's phone had been used on the night of May 3rd to interact with some people she knew. Here's what we know. An ex-boyfriend whom Taylor dated up until recently Mm -hmm. called her cell phone late Friday night. That call, by reports, lasted two minutes. Now, the exact time of this call has never been published. But to me, when I see those reports in the newspaper that say late Friday night, obviously we're looking at before midnight, before the midnight hour of her shift. Right. I did some digging and I've spoke to some people close to this investigation and just flat out asked, do we know what time or or can somebody tell me what time that call took place? And I was told a very specific time that that phone call was at 10 16 PM. So shortly after her shift began now, pay close attention here, Taylor or someone, this is other information regarding her phone, Taylor or someone using Taylor's phone texted a friend at about 5 a.m. on the morning of the 4th. Reports only state that this text made vague reference to seeking a favor from a friend. This text received no response. We don't know anything more about that text. But it's a text that you you say is um, seeking a response about a favor to a friend? Correct. Okay. That that the reports are 
of this text are that. We don't know if this text is coming from Taylor's phone and asking for help mm-hmm. or asking for a favor or if somebody is texting and saying, I hey, need a ride. hey, I need a ride or, or, or you owe me a favor or I can help you with this. I don't know in regards to the relationship of who was going to be, you know, handing out the favor or asking for a favor or what, but the information we have is that Taylor, and I think that that's, that's the key to this bit of information here that comes out Taylor or someone using Taylor's phone texted a friend at about 5 AM on the morning of the fourth. So we know that she answered her phone at 1016 and had a two-minute phone call. Right. And the reports are t- Taylor or somebody using her phone sent out a text around 5 a.m. So that gives us a time frame of less than seven hours? It shrinks it a bit. We were looking at a, a time frame of roughly nine hours, and now we've got that under seven hours to be concerned with. Now, this next portion will further bolster the shared theory that Taylor did not walk away to go off somewhere. This bit of info was held back initially, but was released to the public eventually. And this is very important here, Captain. The reports were that Taylor's jacket and shoes were found at her place of work after she went missing. There is no indication from the reports put out there that police found blood, hair, or really any sign of a struggle at her work. There is no indication that investigators found any evidence of forced entry at her work. Uh, nothing to the doors, nothing to the windows. Well, I'm just wondering if she brought a pair of shoes. And I'm, this what might you, what, be a, an additional pair of shoes, well, the, the ones that she was wearing. Yeah, it might be a leap, but I, I know with some nurses that they like to wear certain shoes while they work so maybe they would bring a pair with her but we have Um, one thing here that you don't have in most investigations in regards especially to we we have the eyewitness that dropped her off we have her mother saying hey she didn't bring a pair of shoes right this this is what she was wearing this is what she brought with her to uh, to work that night yeah but jacket being there that don't bother me people leave all the time without the jacket but you're gonna leave without your shoes and that's exactly what her mother pointed out that terrified her the most when she figured out what was going on. Because keep in mind, she knows the public don't they don't know that there was a coat and a and shoes left at the scene. We don't find this out until much later. Right. But her mother immediately knows I dropped her off. Yeah, she left her jacket there. No big deal. Like you said, people I was I went to a friend's house just a week ago and left a jacket there. Mm-hmm. But people don't leave without their shoes. Right. Yeah, you don't make it home and go, hey, where's my shoes? Oh, shoot, I left my shoes at my friend's house again. Well, and I have sensitive feet. I can't be walking around on the concrete with my sensitive feet. This is not going to happen. Well, and the thing here, too, we, we, we got the evidence that that she left some things at her work, her personal items. Those were the personal items that were referenced earlier. We also have the report stating there was no forced entry found to well, the no, work. Well, no forced entry. And we also believe that the doors were locked. They were found locked according to the reports after she's found to be missing. Right. 
So no forced entry to the doors, no forced entry to yeah, right, but the, so, the so, windows. Right, so to just ponder this, I mean, even if a friend has pulled up and you're going to go talk to him, one, why would you lock the doors? Why would you walk out there with no shoes? This doesn't make a lot of sense. Right, and that's what I'm pointing out, that this information is going to leave us really with fewer and fewer possible working theories to to further this investigation. Captain, it, it's looking like one of the following theories would work, and I'll start with the least likely and work my way through. Either someone, this could be a stranger or maybe even someone she knew, grabbed her from the porch or outside, but still on the property of her work while she just so happened to be outside with no jacket, no shoes. And then Taylor puts up so little of a struggle that there was no evidence of an attack outside and no eyewitnesses or better yet ear witnesses. This seems highly unlikely given the very low probability factors for that to all come together. Or maybe we have someone who was targeting Taylor and knew that at her place of work, Taylor would basically be alone and in a state of vulnerability. And if it were a stranger, perhaps using a ruse of some sort, convinced Taylor to open the door or maybe even let him in, or it's someone she knows and she willingly opens the door or lets this person in. I think given everything we have gone over, I would be shocked if anyone by this point is leaning toward the idea of an offender unknown to our victim. And given that we have no ear witnesses to screams or a struggle outside, we are very likely looking at a scenario where Taylor opened the door and let someone into her work and something happened inside that resulted in this person taking Taylor. For everything True Crime Garage, check out truecrimegarage.com and make sure you sign up on our mailing list. And we got a bunch more to get to tomorrow regarding the case of Taylor Robinson. Please join us back here in the garage. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.